We're now in the second half, starting today of the book of Ephesians. We continue our series entitled Conquered by Grace. Conquered by Grace. And specifically today, we're talking about the walk of grace. In the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, we have seen the doctrines of grace. A lot of doctrine concerning salvation, what we call the doctrine of soteriology, we have seen very much in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. But now the second half is going to be duology. So we talked about the theology, now let's talk about the duology. Man, whatever we believe should direct and determine how we behave. Isn't that right, church? And so that's where he's going to get to. And he starts in verse number 1 of chapter 4 by saying, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of that salvation we just talked about. Worthy of the calling of the gospel. Uh, walking. I, I read an article this past week from Harvard Medical School. This is interesting. Uh, and it was an article on five, entitled, Five Surprising Benefits of Walking Physically. And uh, walking, they said in the, in the article, they said walking is the, this is interesting, the closest thing to a wonder drug that we have. Walking is. Just physical activity. And so five surprising benefits of walking. Listen to this. It counteracts the effects of weight-promoting genes. And we all said amen. I need that, right? To counteract the effect of weight-promoting genes. Uh, they studied over 12,000 people. And among the study participants who walked briskly for about an hour a day... The effects of those weight-promoting genes in their body were cut in half. Interesting. Second surprising benefit. It helps tame your sweet tooth. I got any folks with a sweet tooth in here? Got a sweet tooth? Walking, isn't that interesting, will help tame a sweet tooth. A 15-minute walk can curb cravings for chocolate or sugar, other sugary snacks. Isn't that interesting? Surprising benefit. Of walking. Number three, uh, ladies, it reduces significantly the risk of developing breast cancer. Walking does. Man, that's, that's great to know, isn't it? Women who walked seven or more hours a week, so in a total week, an hour a day basically, have a 14% lower risk of breast cancer than those who walk uh, much less during a week's time. Uh, fourth, fourth. Surprising benefit of walking is it eases joint pain. Uh, there are several studies found that walking reduces arthritis-related pain. Walking up to five to six miles a week can prevent arthritis from forming in your body in the first place. Isn't that interesting? So uh, moving strengthens the muscles around all those joints. And it lubricates. Actually, when you walk, it lubricates your joints. So... Uh, that's that's interesting. Fifth surprising benefit they listed in the article is when you walk, it boosts your immune function. So when you're a little sick, if you get a cold or you get the flu, if you can get outside and walk, get some sunshine, get even in in the winter time, get that brisk cold air in, uh, that can uh, it boosts your immune 
function. A study of over a thousand men and women found that those who walked at least 20 minutes a day, at least five days a week, had 43% fewer sick days they missed working uh, than those who exercised much less than that. So uh, it's just interesting, right? Uh, but the Bible tells us that uh, that uh, bodily discipline, right, is good. But ultimately, there is a walk that's even greater than that, isn't it? And that's walking with God. Now, how much more important is our spiritual walk with Jesus? Well, every day, walking with Jesus is what makes the eternal difference in our life, is what gives us strength. And fills us with the Holy Spirit of God. As we read the Word of God, we pray, and then we apply, walk, right? We apply to our life what it is that He has shown us. So walking with Jesus, the walk of grace. Let's read together now the rest of this passage. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is, look at how many times he says the word one here. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. How many of you know today you got a spiritual gift? Come on, children of God. You're in the gifted and talented class, right? As a child of God. You are. You may not have been in school growing up, but when you get saved, you're gifted. Now, God has gifted you specifically with a spiritual gift to use to strengthen the faith of others and to lead others to Christ. Verse 9. Now, this is an interesting section. He says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Just a quick aside here, and this is all I'm going to say about that mysterious section. Uh, when he talks about the ascension here, he's simply saying Jesus descended from heaven, came to earth, and ascended Back to heaven. That's all that means in this passage. There are other places that talk about Jesus going and preaching to spirits in prison and going down to hell and all these things. That's not what he's talking about here. He's simply referring to the incarnation here and showing from Psalm 68 how, come on somebody, in the Old Testament, it talked about his resurrection and his ascension. That's the idea here. And so uh, let's not get wrapped around the axle about mysterious stuff. He's just talking about the incarnation right there. Now, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why did he do that? Well, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. By the way, how many of you know that ministry is work? <laughs> it's a work. It's a good work. It's a good tired it's a good labor, but it's work. And by the way, if you're not a little bit tired doing God's work, some, 
something's wrong in your walk with God. Come on now. That's just true. So uh, he said, we are to equip the saints. This is the job of your pastor and staff and leaders and your family group leader to do ministry, yes. But also, ultimately, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. For the edification of the church. It's all for the edification of others' faith. The building up of others' faith. Until we all attain to the unity. There's that word again. Pretty important. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. So here's the ultimate goal, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we wouldn't be kids any longer, man. Did your mama tell you to grow up when you was growing up? Yeah, that's what Paul's saying here. He says, you got to grow up, man, in Jesus. i got to grow up. We all do. We need to walk in maturity. Don't be children, he says here, tossed to and fro by the waves in every wind of doctrine. This is a port city, right? Ephesus, well-known port city. So they knew wind and waves very well. So he's playing on that imagery that they were used to, those coastal winds and the waves that would be the, the rough seas that would be there at times. He says, don't be tossed around by all the circumstances and all this crazy doctrine coming at you that's not rooted in the gospel and in the, and in the scriptures. And, uh, by human cunning, right? So it's, it's human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. By the way, everybody in the church is not here for the right reason. Uh, let's be clear on that. And uh, the majority are, but there are a few that the enemy will bring within the body to try to divide that body over false doctrine or all kinds of different points of manipulation. That's the idea here in the original language. Manipulation for their own selfish gain and motivation. And so rather, verse 15, speak, speaking the truth in love, not manipulation, Right? But just loving honesty, gracious integrity, speaking the truth in love, we are to, there it is again, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by everybody, everybody's a part of this that knows Jesus, we all got a part, we all got a place, we all got a role to fill, held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, it causes the growth of the body. We all say, oh, we want our church to grow. Well, that, that means all of us praying, serving, giving, involved in the movement of God's kingdom. That's what causes the growth of the body. When the body is filled with the Spirit, serving one another and serving our community and sharing Christ. It causes the growth of the body so that it builds itself up. In love. Walk in a manner worthy of your salvation. We do not earn our way to heaven. He's not saying here that we must walk in obedience out of obligation. He's saying, listen, if God has saved your soul, come on somebody, there ought to be some appreciation up in there. There ought to be some worship. There ought to be some joy in obeying God. And that's what he means here. The walk, that word walk, means your daily way of life, doesn't it? That's the idea here. Our daily way of life. That our Sunday, come on church, translates to our Monday. 
and our Tuesday and our Wednesday. Again, not perfection, but a direction of life. Pursuing Jesus, filled with His Spirit, desiring to obey Him. So it's the words we say, the thoughts we think, the actions we take, the way you do your job, the way we treat our spouse and our kids and just the way that we do everything, our overall attitude. And he says we are to walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Uh, as Paul said in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, he says, listen, grace is not a license to sin. It is motivation to obey. Uh, the grace of God instructs us, to, as it says in the book of Titus, it instructs us to deny ungodliness and to live godly and sensibly and dignified in this age, to live a life set apart unto God. And so what does that look like? Well, he gives us here three steps in this walk, if you will, right? Three steps, specifically in this walk, if we're going to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. Number one, step number one is protect unity. Is unity important? Come on, church. Is it important? It is. And I can. I want you to consider today thinking about it in the context of the church within the body of Christ first, but also in your family, in your circle of influence. Uh, it doesn't mean that we won't have disagreement at times, right? Unity is not uniformity. Can I get an amen on that? It doesn't mean we're going to agree on every single little issue of life. But what it does mean as children of God that we believe and, and stand on and are unified on those most important things. The Bible's the word of God. Amen. Uh, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune, all three co-equal, co-eternal. Uh, mankind is sinful and broken. We need salvation. That's what's wrong with our world. Come on, somebody. Isn't that right? We don't need a better president. We need King Jesus. That's what we need. Our hope is not in a political party or candidate. We need to remember that in a voting year, don't we? Election year. Our hope is not in a political party or candidate. It's in Christ. And so ultimately, Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, came and died for our sins, paid the penalty for our sin on Calvary's cross. They put him on a, in a tomb. But what happened, church, on the third day? Rose, rose from the dead. And whosoever will repent of their sin and surrender, submit to King Jesus, man, uh, make him Lord of their life, will be forgiven, made right with God. And Jesus is coming back one day. He's going to set up his kingdom here. And so we're unified around those things, around Jesus, his kingdom, the love of God, the mission of God in this world to go and make disciples, right? The word of God. And that's what he's talking about here. He says we should be eager to maintain unity. That language means make every effort. That's a good question, isn't it? Are we making every effort to be unified? And the unity of the, this is interesting, the unity of the what? The spirit, Dis dissension within the body, dissension within a family, dissension within a circle of influences. Sometimes that's outside your control, to be fair. But dissension quenches the Spirit of God in your life. So the hand of God and the blessing of God is removed in that season when there is protracted dissension that you lean into and stoke. That's the idea here. It's the unity of the Spirit of God. 
And, and, uh, and yes, God's hand and blessing will be off of a church. When you have a group of people who are at odds with one another, especially over petty issues. And, and so, uh, man, oh, how we need the anointing. Come on, church. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit in here. It's not just show up and run some programs, preach some sermons, sing some songs and go home. Man, we need the Spirit of God up in this place. We need some transformative work of God in us. And we need to exalt God in our words, thoughts, and actions. Unity, right? Uh, how many times does he use the word one here? Did you see that? Seven times in two verses. Remember, we've got Jewish believers. So folks who came from a Jewish background who've given their heart to Christ. But you've also got Gentile pagan folks who got saved in Ephesus, who are now together in this one body. And so he's leaning back into that and saying, listen, it's not Jew and Gentile anymore. You are now one, one, one. That's the key word here, isn't it? One. We are to be one together. Think about all the different things that are one in the gospel. There's not, by the way, there's not an old and a new testament. There's one Bible. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, and so that, that's important to remember the word, when they talk about the word of God in the new Testament, as we read it, what were they talking about? Well, the old Testament, there's really not an old and a new. There's just one word. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's one kingdom. There's not Republican Christians and Democrat Christians. Uh Oh, there there's only one party. We serve It's a heavenly party. Okay. And so uh, it's important. We remember that there's not black. White, Hispanic, or Asian now. We are all one family. And yes, those identifiers are real. We're not trying to push those to the side. But though, come on church, those are subservient ultimately to King Jesus and to his kingdom. And so, uh, there is neither, uh, hello, there's neither Baptist, nor Methodist, nor Episcopal, nor Catholic. Right? Or any other denomination. Ultimately, in heaven, there's only one church, universal church, those who have repented of sin and placed faith in Jesus. Speaking of unity reminds me of the story of a father who had three sons who were being knotheads. Uh, there was a, a season there where, man, they were fighting and fussing all the time. And finally, he thought, you know what, I'm going to teach him a lesson today. And he told those three boys, he said, I want you to go outside and pick two sizable sticks apiece. And they said, uh-oh, we're going to get some sticks out of the yard. Well, here they go, right? And they got those two sizable sticks. By the way, anybody ever have a grandmother or grandfather tell you, go get a stick? Y'all have that? Yeah, we, we need a little stick in, uh, you know, in today's day and time on some. Well, go get, go get two sticks, sizable sticks. Well, they went and got those sticks and they brought them back. And he looked at each one of them and he said, listen, give me one of those sticks. And he took that stick, you know, from the first son, he snapped that thing on over his knee and threw it down. He said, you give me a stick, your stick. He gave him one stick, snapped it, threw it on the ground. Third son, same thing, snapped it, threw it on the ground. He said, now all three of you give me all of your sticks. And he took those three sticks and he bound them together and he went to try to break them and he couldn't. And he said, look, boys, we gain our strength from one another. There's strength in one another when we are bound in love together. All this fighting and fussing and carrying on is just going to lead to brokenness in your life. It's the unity, the love of this family that's going to keep each other together. And so too, listen, church, uh, whenever it's all about me, that's a broken life. 
You, listen, you're going to be busted up, miserable, when you're always at odds with your spouse and people at the church and people in your job. No, listen, lay yourself aside and focus on the love and the unity of the gospel a little bit. We're not going to agree on everything. Don't have to agree about everything. But we do have to choose to move forward, right, for the glory of God and for his mission in this world, to go and make disciples. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, church. We're better together. That's the idea. And then he talks here, he goes on to talk about how to protect that unity, doesn't he? He says with humility. That means it ain't about me. Just very simply. Right? It's not about me. i got to lay, lay myself down and my expectations and desires aside and do what's best. Right? For God's church or my family and, and focus on unity. Humility, gentleness. The word gentleness here, it's interesting. In the Greek, it carries the idea of taming a wild animal. Anybody else in here act like a wild animal from time to time in your flesh? The Bible talks about taming what? The tongue. Training our thoughts. How, how do you protect unity within the body of Christ? When you have those negative thoughts of another brother or sister in Christ, or somebody hurts you or offends you, and that stuff starts to mold, you got to take that stuff captive and forgive. By the way, forgiveness is over and over and over, isn't it? It's not instantaneous. Some of you here today, you think forgiveness is instantaneous. It is in Christ, amen? That's a good, that's a good word. But for us, it's not. It starts in a moment where we acknowledge the hurt and we, we say, I'm going to forgive. But then every time those negative, bitter thoughts come back, come on church, what have you got to do with it? You got to re-forgive, if you will, re-release that individual. You pray for them there. So gentleness, spirit-filled people, man, this is convicting to your pastor because I'm type A to the max when I'm in my flesh. Spirit-filled people are gentle. They're under control. They're tamed by the Spirit of God. That's the idea here. Ooh-wee. Anybody else convicted by that today? Yeah. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Hello. Willing to endure some difficulty. I'm not hopping church to church to church because my feelings got hurt. And you said something about my kid in the hallway. Right? And, and, and man, you offended me with what you said today about Republicans or Democrats or... Come on, man, get over it. Can I get an amen on that too today? Get over yourself. Let's get over ourselves. Bear with one another a little bit. In your home, come on now, is forgiveness and patience pretty important in your home? And by the way, would to God, we're learning in our home how much we should have that same patience and grace with our children that we expect everybody else to give us. So it's just a good word for parents and grandparents today, right? Grandparents, you're always patient, aren't you? I mean, you're just great. You're grand. That's why you're called grand, right? So humility, gentleness, patience. Oh, the unity of the Spirit of God. Would to God that we wouldn't quench God's Spirit because of our own, hello, selfish actions. Walking in a manner worthy of this gospel says this is not about me. It's not about my way or my will being done on earth, right? It's about God's will being done here. And so if we're going to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, we've got to protect unity. That's important. Be eager. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Okay? Secondly, second step he gives us here. 
and, a, and walking in a manner worthy is fulfill your ministry. Everybody in this room is called to ministry. Do you know that? If you're saved, you're saved to serve. And we all have differing gifts, differing experiences of life, different, differing passions and callings of God. But ultimately, what he's saying here is we're all called to ministry. A calling to salvation is a calling to serve, right? He talks about unity, but then he uses that word one an eighth time in verse seven, and he says, but each one of us individually has been given a gift that we're to use. So he says, while we should protect unity, we also have to take personal responsibility of this calling. We have a responsibility. How many of you know that when you get saved, now you're held responsible before God? You have a stewardship here to serve him in a specific way. That's the idea here. Reminds me of a story I heard of Kobe Bryant. When he first came on to the Los Angeles Lakers onto the team, uh, he wanted to shoot the ball all the time, right? And, and so Shaquille O'Neal had had enough of it one day. So in the locker room in front of all the players, he called him out. He said, uh, he, he pulled the old cliche line, right? He said, hey, Kobe, they ain't no I in team, big boy. And the story is told that Kobe Bryant looked back at Shaquille O'Neal in front of the whole team. Of course, he's the leader of the whole team at that point. And he looked at him. He said, well, there is an win. There's an I in win. So give me the ball when it's winning time, right? And Shaquille O'Neal told the story. He said, listen, I knew then there was something different. There was a different kind of, of moxie and leadership about Kobe Bryant. Why do I share that story? Listen to me. If we're going to win people to Jesus, you got to do it. I got to do it. We got to do it. Each one of us, there is an I in win, in winning people to Jesus and in making disciples. Listen to me. That's not just the job of the preachers. We pay y'all to do that. You ever heard somebody say, I've grown up in the church. I've heard people say stupid stuff like that. Amen. And let's call it what it is. Stupid. That's dumb. That's not biblical. We pay y'all to do that. Where's the preacher at? He should have been here. Well, you're there. Pray for him. Come on now. Minister to him. Right, by the way, aren't you glad that our church is, is growing beyond what I can manage? Isn't that a good thing? And, 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 and again, our staff, we want to be at everything. I want to be at every, every surgery you have and every, every death in the family. I want to do every funeral and every wedding. I would not have a family. Right? And so I don't say that today for, to, to endear you to me. I just, I'm just giving you an example. That's what he's leaning into here. What he's saying is as the body is growing, church in Ephesus was the leading Gentile megachurch. Huge church. Folks are getting saved by the hundreds. So what he says is, listen, this calling's for all of us. If it's only based on what Pastor Derek can touch or Pastor Daniel or Pastor Kevin, Pastor Todd, our staff, our ladies, Chelsea and Kim and, and, and Miss Sandy and kids, if it's only based on what we can touch, there's not a whole lot of lives that are going to be changed. Man, it takes the body of Christ. And it's not just about a crowd. Isn't that what he says here? It's about what? Maturity in Christ. Growing up in Christ. And so gifting. You have a gifting. Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We don't have time to lean into all that today. I encourage you to go read those two passages this week where it talks about spiritual gifts. 
gifts of, uh, you know, a word of faith and a word of knowledge and gifts of teaching and administration and healing and tongues and miracles. And yes, I believe sign gifts are still in play today. And the Bible gives us boundaries around that, right? It's not just open, do whatever. No, the Bible gives us boundaries on those things. But the gifts of God, right? Spiritual gifts. And it's all for the building up of the body of Christ. And he talks here about who is in authority. He really gives us a structure for the church here. Okay? And it, it leans back into the historical early New Testament church, but then also speaks to function for today. So he says, what? He gave the apostles. By the way, every time that's used in the New Testament, it speaks to the original apostles, the original folks, early New Testament church. So I really believe the office of the apostle, that title is not so much in play today. I, I don't make that an axe to, to grind. Another brother or sister calls themselves an apostle. Okay, praise God, man. I'm not going to argue with somebody's experience. But at the end of the day, every time it's used in the New Testament, it's important to know the context, isn't it, church? It speaks mostly of those original apostles. Now, is, is our Bible built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets? It is. The Word of God is. The foundation of our faith it's scripture-fed, spirit-led. That's the Christian life. It's so original apostles, prophets, gift of prophecy, the Bible says, is a spiritual gift. So uh, the, the office of the prophet may or may not be so much in play today, but the function of the prophet very much is. There's some of you here, God's given you a, a prophetic word that you're to give to someone else. Right? The evangelists. Are we all called to share Christ with others? Absolutely. But there are those who have this calling, special calling, and this anointing. There are some people that stand up here and preach and say, Jesus loves you, come now. Billy Graham, right? Jesus loves you, he died for you. All right, invitation, strike up the band, and everybody in this room will get saved again. You know what I'm saying? And those of you in here who are lost... I say that cutting up, obviously. But those of you in here who are lost, what man, you'd come flooding down. There's just an anointing, right, on a Billy Graham and some of these uh, individuals who, who are called evangelists, right? But then he goes on to talk about pastors and teachers. Pastors, poimen, right? That's that's my role in the body. That's the role of, of your pastors on the staff. Shepherding elders of the church, those who are to give the, the teaching and the doctrine, the direction of the church, and to shepherd the body, right? To, to oversee the care and the, and the, uh, the tending of the flock. And then teachers, right? Uh, family group leaders in the room. Youth leaders, kids leaders. Your teachers. How important are teachers? By the way, yeah, very. And by the way, in the book of James, it says, it actually says, let not many of you become teachers because you'll incur a stricter judgment. Does that convict you a little bit? Family group leaders, kids ministry leaders, youth ministry leaders? Yeah. He doesn't say that to pressure us. He says that so that we would take that responsibility seriously. It's so, function, what is your calling in the body of Christ? What's your calling? I didn't ask, are you serving rotationally every four to six weeks? That's Listen to me. I'm not knocking that. That's important. Thank you for doing that. But it's more than that. What's your calling to ministry? What's your heart? What's your passion? Let's do that. Let's do that. So today, for many of you in the room, the invitation is 
that calling. What's your calling to submit to Christ today and say, listen, my calling is to serve in missions. My calling is to serve alongside, you know, one, one of the ministries in town who's taking care of the hunger and the homeless. You know, my calling is to serve in kids ministry or youth ministry or my calling is to help in discipleship or lead a family group. You know, my calling is, is in missions and evangelism. I just have a heart to share Jesus with others. Okay, well, let's do that. Voice that calling today. Let's pray together over that. Let's make a commitment in that. Walking in a manner worthy of the gospel means understanding, man, I got saved to serve. I'm called. And I'm going to walk with Jesus. Well, what's that calling in your life? Well, thirdly and lastly this morning, he says... We've got to protect unity, fulfill our ministry. Then number three, grow in maturity. Time to grow up. Right? Don't be kids anymore. Don't be children. Don't squabble and whine and complain. We pick on our kids, but we do it as much, if not more than they do, don't we? Come on, adults. Reminds me, I saw this past week, the Toddler Ten Commandments. By the way, the word for children here, by the way, is literally toddler. It's not talking about an elementary age kid. He's telling the church at Ephesus, some of y'all are acting like a bunch of toddlers. <laughs> mm. We all do at times, don't we? Let's all own that today. Toddler Ten Commandments. Number one, thou shalt not wake me up when I'm sleeping. Parents of toddlers in the room, see if this lands. Number two, thou shalt not look at me. Right? Don't look at me. Don't stare at me. Number three, thou shalt not stop stop me from taking other people's toys. They're mine. Don't take. Don't tell me to stop doing that. Uh, number four, thou shalt feed me what I want. I've got teenage toddlers who still tell me that. Right? Tell their, their mother that I'm not eating that. Okay, well that's all you got. Go eat some grass outside. I don't know what to tell you. That's what you got. Live with it. I, by the way, I didn't grow up getting a hot dog when my mother cooked a meal. Did y'all get that? These kids are, man, they got it made. Got it made. Bunch of whiners. Uh-huh. Stop it. They shall, uh, thou shalt feed me what I want. Number five, thou shalt turn on my TV show. Y'all got a toddler like that? Or the, or the iPad. Or the phone. You know, put it on, put it on what I want. Number six, thou shalt not ask me to go potty. Every toddler, every toddler. Number seven, thou shalt allow me to make a mess, right? Number eight, oh, this is our house full of boys. Thou shalt allow me to vandalize the house. Draw on the walls, tear stuff up, you know, throw the little baseball bat into the wall, put holes in the walls, and, you know, that's that's the thing. Number nine, thou shalt not expect me to say thank you. I'm not going to say thank you. I'm just not going to do it, right? And number 10, thou shalt expect me to throw a fit. There it is. Temper tantrum. Does that sound like some church people you know? Don't look at them. Right? Don't look at them. But listen, that's what he's talking about here. Being tossed to and fro by the waves. That's circumstances. And false doctrine, not knowing what you believe and resting in it. We have a calling to know the word of God, to be in it, right? 
And so it's it, it, it's time to time to grow up, to put maturity in Christ at the forefront, digging into his word, deep walk with God, dying to myself, laying down my own expectations and demands and desires and preferences. Well, the church ought to do this and that and this and that. Well, is that what God's called us to do? Is that going to reach people for Jesus? Is that going to be what's... Is that what's going to be best for the body? Christ. The more we get in the Word and the more the Word of God gets into us, right, the less demands we make of others. Isn't that interesting? And so today, God's calling us to walk in a manner worthy. Are you walking in a manner worthy? Again, not earning my way to heaven. Not out of obligation, but out of appreciation for all he's done. Are we walking in a manner worthy of this calling? Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. So glad you could join us. If you've given your heart to Jesus, text Hope Jesus, all one word. Text Hope Jesus to 77411. Hope Jesus. 77411. And let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you hadn't done that already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share it out. You never know whose life might be changed by simply sharing this message today. So share it out. Okay? And so thank you again for listening in. And we invite you to listen in with us next week.